Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Out the Mud podcast presented by The Den. My name is Ryan Cox and we are here today with Billy Larkin of Larkin Sports Performance and Mick Fennell, co-founder of Fennell Brothers Baseball. We're going to pass it over to Billy real quick to talk about his bio. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, brother. Um, As you said, my name is Billy Larkins. I've been a sports performance coach or involved in strength and conditioning for the better part of the last 14 years. Makes me feel old. Um, In that time, I've coached, you know, anywhere from six years old to 80 years old, um, division three to division one athletes, professional athletes um, in multiple sports from the NHL, NFL, NBA, professional baseball. Um, In that time, I've I've uh, experienced a lot, tried to learn as much as I can and excited to share what I know with the listeners. Mick? Yeah, my name is Mick Fennell. Like Ryan said, I am a co-owner of Fennell Brothers Baseball, and baseball's honestly just been a part of my life forever. Ever since I was three years old, I remember going to see my oldest brother, Jason Fennell, who was playing professional baseball at the time, play some baseball, and from that day, done everything from play it at the high school collegiate professional level and then now staying within the game and wanting to give the people and the players the best knowledge that they can have to chase the dream and play this game as big as they want to so ryan gonna kick it back over to you let us hear uh your background buddy yeah so very similar to mick baseball has been a part of my being since i was a young kid uh grew up with a love of the game got to play some high school college baseball and even some professional which is how i met mick and got to be a a part of fennel brothers baseball here and the coach of the 10u team Um, we're just here to share our experiences some things that i wish i would have done from you know a player standpoint a strength and experience or strength and performance standpoint that billy can talk about as well just kind of give a little insight so first we're going to start out and introduce why out the mud what does that mean to you, Billy? Um, it's just a good mantra, out the mud. I think when I think of that quote, I think, you know, it's something that's hard to do, something that's challenged, um, you know, maybe a being in a rut, like, hey, I need to, you know, start doing this more. I need to start reading more. I need to start journaling more. Uh, I need to make it to the gym more. I need to make it to hitting coach more. I need to create my own routine. Just something that you're stuck in, right? You got to get that out of the mud. You got to get it together and you got to move forward. And I think that that's what we hope this podcast does is help people who are maybe in a coaching rut, a parenting rut, you know, a player of any sport, uh, just kind of hit that wall where they feel like they've done a lot, but maybe it's enough. They're not sure what that next step is. We want to help them get it out of the mud. Cool. Mick, do you have uh, do you have another way that that out the mud means to you? Yeah, no, I think Billy hit it on the head there. It just it doesn't matter what you're in. If you're an athlete in sports, if you're just a student in school, a parent in life, you're gonna have your ups and downs, and you're gonna get down in the mud. And you got to own that you are in the mud right now to get out of it. And it doesn't matter where you're at in life, doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, but you got to understand that you will get out of the mud and you will be flying high and just want to give guidance for players in season parents in season and be able to help them understand everything and anything about um, projecting through life perfect and that's that's a perfect segue into why we're here right to introduce this podcast and and what it's designed to do Um, we're here for to educate you parents Right, and Billy's going to have a little bit more in depth of of what we're looking for here. But based on the in-season development, that's where we currently are. Um, So, Billy, let's talk to the parents a little bit. What are what are we trying to bring them here? For today, it's just give them um, a good idea of what they need to know, 
a good idea of maybe some areas that they're confident in, but they probably shouldn't be, right? Something that they need to kind of research a little bit more and get a better grasp uh, on those concepts. And I think um, having a plan, I think if, if at the end of listening to, to today's podcast, you can come away and be like, hey, you know, here's three points Billy made, three points Mick made, three points Ryan made. If I put these all together, I kind of have a great plan for the next couple of years for myself, for my athlete, uh, or whoever it pertains to. No, absolutely. And I think touching on that plan is it, it's so valuable that an athlete, a parent understands that in season, out of season, once a plan is in place, you got to stay to the plan. It's not a, okay, yeah, hey, out season training, now it's in season, I'll see you in a couple months. It's like, no, it's, you should understand what is your plan the next three months? What is your plan transitioning to the dead of the summer, to when the summer's ending into fall ball? So I think it's about us helping educate any player that's gonna take time to listen, any parent to be able to know, hey, this is what I need to do to put my son, put myself in the best position to have success. And I, I think one thing to add there, uh, Mick, you, you hit a home run, pun intended. Uh, but one thing to add is that realistic plan, right? Like I said, I'm, I'm 14 years in on this, and I know there's a lot of you know coaches, books, websites that offer plans. But in those plans, your athlete hits the gym five days a week for yeah. nine months. You don't go on vacation. He doesn't get sick. There's never a homecoming. Like what we want to do is try to help you navigate things that we don't like to admit are going to happen, but do happen. People yeah. get banged up. Uh, there's random showcases that you go to. Something happens and you miss a couple games that you, know, you normally wouldn't have. Yeah. How do you plan around that? How do you adapt to those stressors when they occur? And, and that's what today is going to provide you. Yeah, and that's a, that's a perfect conversation to have. It's like through my career, I found a lot of times when situations come up, if the game plan wasn't strong enough, you tend to not do anything. And you tend to kind of sit back and rest. And we know that we're not just competing locally or you know just in the western side of Pennsylvania. It's, it's a compete across the country if we're, we're trying to take things to a high level. Um, so we got to make sure that our plan reflects those goals. So um, just to piggyback off that real quick, Ryan, I mean, we've all just gotten out of the, these quarantines. Here in Pennsylvania, we had two. Um, and you said when something popped up and changed, sometimes your plan would fail mm -hmm. and you wouldn't get better. I know all of my athletes, all of Fennel Brothers athletes, during those two quarantines, they got better. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like it was sad that they missed school. It was sad for so many reasons what was going on. But, I mean, you could, you could be a professional athlete. You could get 10 hours of sleep. You could eat three to four solid meals. You could get two workouts in a day. Right. You had time to spend on your weaknesses, time to self-reflect. The people that had a plan that were working with us, they got better, and they got better with a purpose, and they laid a foundation that we're building upon right now. And you're seeing it with Jake Picasso. It's at Cal U. No home runs the year before. Yesterday he had two. You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. he's somebody that put work in during that time, and I think that that that's the difference. Is not just well, I'm on a travel ball team. Oh, I have a hitting coach. Oh, I have a, I go to the gym. I go to Planet Fitness. It's no, I go to this guy for this reason. We work with this other guy together. We collaborate to make a plan to make sure we're getting where we need to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that was one thing we made it known for all of our guys is like, listen, what's going on in the world? This is crazy, but. The ones that put in the work, in a year, you're going to see the difference. If you took off, say, oh, man, season just got canceled. All right, I'm putting the bat down for four months. Didn't touch a, didn't touch a weight in the weight room for four months. Guess what? You're four months behind because there was a lot of people that had the right mindset and put their head down, went to work, and now starting to show. And that's, that's the game. 
that's the game is stepping in the gym, stepping in whatever you want to do and being able to get after it. Yeah, and that's control what you can control, right? With, with our programs, you know, you can do things in-house here, obviously with us, but we're providing you with knowledge to be able to do these drills, to be able to prepare yourself, sleep schedule, your diet, your nutrition, things that you can do at home to make yourself better. It's just being able to control those variables. So that kind of leads us into our first question today, um, something that we get asked a lot. It's a very broad question, but it's how do I make my son or daughter get better in season? So I'm going to kind of pass that to Billy, like just to understand, like what is better really? Like what are they asking? You know, I've heard this one for years and it's a great question. Um, I think before you ask a coach this question, you have to ask yourself, you know, what do I want for my son or daughter? What do they want? How realistic are each of us being and how do we get there? And I know I'm answering a question with a question, so I apologize. Uh, But that's the truth because if you're someone that, you know, you play, you know, house level ball and you just love being outside and you love having friends that you don't go to school with and it's just a great experience because baseball or whatever sport is a great sport, then maybe you don't have to work out in season, right? If you're someone that wants to compete on a, on a high school level, I know where we are in Western PA, we have some large, large schools, right? There's real competition. You know, a couple of the kids that I know trying out for local freshman teams are competing against 70 to 80 kids in the same grade for maybe only 15 spots. So if you're in that boat, I would have to, I would have to say, first of all, commit yourself to working out and competing in season, right? Making sure that you're on the right path. Uh, depending on your age, maybe you need to gain weight. Um, depending on your age, maybe you need to, to work on speed. Maybe you're someone that's prepubescent, right? Entering puberty. Um, uh, boy or girl, you're going to want to work on coordination during that time. So so who is your athlete? Sorry, that's step one. Step one in the playbook is who is your athlete? What do they want as their future? And what are you willing to help them with, right? Because let's be honest, finances and times come into this too. You know, both parents work. Maybe it's a time thing. Maybe one parent works, it's expensive. Maybe it's a financial thing, right? Can you afford to commit to that, right? Once you have those answers to yourself, I think you do your due diligence. Does, you know, Tammy or Tommy, do they need to gain weight? Do they need to lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. Are they a little slow, need to get faster? Or are they too fast and they're out of control and they need to learn how to run and and, and learn some mechanics, right? So I think that is probably step one, step two. And uh, I would definitely incorporate their current coach, in that, you know, what do you see they need to work on, you know, regardless of the sport? Uh, what would you like to see them do to improve in the next couple of years? Um, and before I get too far on this, I'll, I'll pass it over to Mick and, and see what his two cents are there. And I'll take it back over with some strength stuff. Yeah, no, I think everything you said, Billy, perfect, perfect. And I think the most important part of that is as a parent or as a student that's listening to this is parents your your child needs to understand that they need to understand hey if i want to play this game in college if i want to chase that dream through high school make that team what it actually takes to get that done and it's everything that billy just touched on your son actually putting in that work to do it and get it done to understand hey i'm here for a reason to get better every single day to understand hey i'm doing this so i can 
get build up my arm strength and throw harder. I'm doing this to work on my foot speed because I know that if I want to be a college middle infielder, I need to get my 60 from 7-2 down to 6-8 because that's a part of the game. If he's not standing out with the other middle infielders, he's going he's gonna to fall back and he's not going to get noticed as much. So it's them understanding, hey, what's real, but at the same time, how much work they need to put in to get there. And you got to understand when, when you're looking at these goals and, okay, your kid's a great hitter, maybe at 12 years old, but where's his strength at? A lot of times we talk to our athletes about having a good base, right? Working from the ground up, pitching, hitting, whatever you're doing, everything's starting from that core, that base. Mm -hmm. And if we're telling you to get stronger in the cage, you're not going to get stronger just by staying in the cage, right? We got to get in the weight room. We got to make sure that we're eating right and vice versa. You might be a very strong kid. But maybe we're lacking, you know, some bat path in the box or we're working on a good back hip. You're not going to get those reps just by lifting. So you got to understand the combo of both and that what our in-season programs are going to do for you is make sure that they balance your athlete out so they're getting the highest level of training both in sport and in the weight room to see those numbers kind of jump. I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I, I want to piggyback on what you just said, Ryan. I think that understanding um, your goals and their trajectory, right? So we just said, the last time I spoke, I said, hey, get with your coach, get with your kid, think yourself what you want them to do, what their next goals are, what their next step, right? What is What does success look like the next time that they're in season, okay? Now, I think this is where most people struggle, um, is what does that mean, right? Like, what does that mean and how do you actually define it and put parameters on it? So one thing that I see is, you know, we have a lot of great kids here locally that come and see us. And you might have a 12-year-old come in and his dad has identified him as a PO. He's a pitcher only. Okay, is that something that is appropriate? You should talk to a coach. You should talk to who you're working with. 12 is a little young, I think, to be a pitcher only, right? Yeah, but sure. let's say they, they do identify as a pitcher only, okay? And he's got to throw the ball harder. Well, what's appropriate at that age? Like, I'm a lifelong sports performance coach and I've worked with – plenty of great pitching coaches. I work with great pitching coaches right now with Fennel Brother Express. I think that adding velocity at 12 is less about throwing and more about core strength, rotational strength, fundamentals of the feet, how yeah. they create torque in the hips, how they, how they follow through, how they explode. Well, we know that, but do you understand that as a coach at 12U, as a parent at 12U, as a player at 12U, that it's not just standing on the mound and literally trying to throw it harder each time. You can develop that foundation that Coach Ryan touched upon a moment ago, right? And, and how do you get there? It's not in one time a week for six weeks. That's not how you do it. It's no. not three sessions before the season starts, right? And if that's your commitment level, that's okay. That's okay. But have that plan written down that, okay, if they go three times – they're probably not going to get that much better or, yeah, or you're not going to yeah. see any change and understand why that's happening. So, so that you're doing the right thing with your money, you're doing the right thing with your time. And also, so you're not getting your, your kids hopes up or your hopes up, right? You want to, you want to have a, a realistic vision of the process. Yeah, no. And I think, um, exactly what you said, Billy, we see that so much with young, young athletes that come in from the ages of eight through 12. And at this point for those guys, pre puberty is letting them understand, Hey, you have so much time till it actually matters if you love this sport. And that, that's one aspect of it where a player needs to understand that, a parent needs to understand that, because an 11-year-old will walk away because he quits having fun and the kid hasn't grown yet, the kid is just starting to get his feet underneath him and 
assisting him and getting him in the process of understanding, hey, if you start putting in the work now, getting into a position to grow in the right direction, he's in a better position to, through the future, get there. Yeah, and and I mean, I can just speak through what I went through in, in my career, and I was aware of my weaknesses, probably about high school I was finding I was a little little slower than I wanted to be wasn't as strong as I was wanted to be I was very fundamentally sound but it took me till almost through college and now after getting in here um, with Larkin sports performance to really understand what I was missing with my body I just didn't understand I tried to train I tried to get on a good program you know probably wasn't working as hard as I could have but I didn't understand what I needed to be training to offset my weaknesses in my, in my legs and my core strength to improve my speed, to improve my power. Um, and that's something if I would have started at a younger age, um, the ceiling would have been a lot higher. Yeah. All right, phase three, right? So we know that we have to identify what we want to accomplish. We have to understand what that takes, what that means, the trajectory. Now I think the next thing to ask is how do you find a sports performance coach? How do you find a hitting and pitching coach, right? Obviously, we'd love for all of you to come here, but that's not always going to be the case. Uh, to me, if I'm looking for a sports performance strength conditioning coach, I want to know a couple things. One, timeline and results. If I'm bringing my athlete to this person, I want to know what I'm going to see and how long that's going to take, right? And I don't think necessarily it's right to have a preconceived notion until you talk to the professional but if if like we offer 12-week packages we do entry and exit testing you see the change you see what you paid for you you see the vision of that sequence and the next sequence right so i want to know like if what type of season is it what what is my son what are my son and daughter going to receive is it speed is it strength is it power does that correlate to the game that they're playing or does that correlate to where they are in the season right like um, you know, make sure you guys are on the same page there. Uh, and then I think next is price. You know what I mean? Try to find a place that you can get in more frequently because quantity and quality, there's going to be a, a threshold. But if you can get good quality reps in there frequently, you're going to see a, a much greater return on your investment. Yeah. No, and I think on the baseball side of that, like you said, it's the biggest thing for players to understand is you're going to have 50, 60, 70 plus coaches throughout your life through high school, through different travel organizations, through rec ball. If you play this game in college and it's understanding at the end of the day, you are your own best coach. So the person that you're taking advice from, the person that you're listening to, that they're identifying, hey, this is what you're doing wrong when you're doing it wrong. This is what you're doing right when you're doing it right to help you understand the position you need to be in when it comes game time, when you're in the box by yourself because your coach isn't going to be there, your hitting instructor isn't going to be there, and you need to understand and have the right mindset to be able to compete, be a hitter, and know what's right to wrong in your own swing. And if you want to talk about like the timeline, right, especially from a baseball standpoint, if we don't understand the timeline, we expect you to fail in here. Yeah, <laughs> like We're going to yeah. put you through some situations where we're trying to address issues, and it's going to take some time to correct those. So if we don't understand the timeline, you might see that failure as a negative thing. And you're not understanding where we're going with the progress, right? So make sure that we have a good idea of where we're at so that while we're in here for a long time, the 15 minutes we may struggle in one session is just part of the process, right? We talk about getting out the mud. Like that's something that's sticking us down. And we're coming to break through that. But you got to understand that we're going to get there, mm-hmm. right? So be comfortable in here. Be able to self-aware, learn, like Mick said, so that we get to the game. 
we have all that knowledge. We have all that confidence in our preparation. And obviously I'm biased because this is what I do for a living is sports performance. But I think that, like you said, the confidence and failing, I think that's why it's so important that they begin their development program a few months before the season because that's what we do, right? But when I do an assessment on someone's son or daughter, I'm just looking for weaknesses. And then I'm going to attack those weaknesses so that we can build, make them strengths and they get better, right? Yep. Well, you do go from not working out at all to doing two weeks of attacking your weaknesses. It doesn't always feel the best, right? We have a good atmosphere in here. We communicate well with our athletes. We communicate the plan well. So that makes it better. But I think it, it takes time to get through those phases and then build confidence and then roll momentum. Like if you, they go and see you guys for hitting – you might make a lot of adjustments. They might struggle for a period, and that's hard. I'll let you talk about that more. It's your forte, but, I mean, that's the way I see it. No, you're absolutely right because uh, as, a, as a hitcher, I like to always say the seasons change from in-season to out-of-season where in the off-season, it, it's swing season. You can work on the little things in your swing that you think, hey, this was creating a problem. I want to feel this out. I need to understand my swing. As soon as game start turns to hitting season. When it's in-season, now we're worried about making sure we're on time, being ready to drive the ball. And the same thing goes for a pitcher. You're clearly in the off-season not going to be training to go out and throw 80 pitches, 90 pitches, be able to compete, but you're training your arm, training your body to be in a position where you're strong. So in six months when the season's there, which is now you're in a position where you're ready to peak and you're in the best performing shape to stand out to make your high school team to hit home runs as a 12 year old whatever it may be and that starts as a routine as a process so you've identified for you and your athlete what you're looking for Mm -hmm. you've understood the trajectory You've now found the greatest strength coach and the greatest hitting coach. You're so happy, and you've started. What does in-season training look like? So we're talking about baseball quite a bit. On the subject of baseball, I think that the number one difference in-season is that you just completely respect the game, right? Like for me, I coach a lot of high school and college and pro kids around here. The first thing I ask is, what are you doing? What does your practice look like? That means how long are they? Are they outside or the inside? You know, are you doing the warm up and the cool down that I gave you? Do you guys do some kind of crazy sprint at the end like a lot of these misguided high school coaches have them doing? Are you doing that? You know what? I'm trying to garner everything I can out of you. Are, are you. If you're a hitter, what way are you hitting? If you're a pitcher, you know, are we tracking the volume? If you're a pitcher, do we know intensity? Uh, if you're a pitcher, are there days that you're working on intent? Because uh, from my perspective, everything that I'm doing in the weight room is, you know, we're banging up the central nervous system and, and we want your body to adapt and to adjust. I'm coming in ancillary since it's in season. Practice is more important. What your head coach says is more important. What your skills coach says is more important. So I'm trying to, to fit in there and, and be a part of the team and work together. Uh, so there's a lot more communication in season. Um, and then again, it's, it's, it's performance-based. Everything I do is not about, hey, I got your number from 100 to 110. No, in season, it's do you feel good? Do your hips feel good if you're a catcher? Uh, are you feeling fluid on the bases? Are your hamstrings tight? Are your hip flexors tight? Um, how much are you sleeping? Right? How much? How much are you supplementing? Are we making sure to get the right vitamins and minerals in? Uh, are we making sure we're getting all of our calories in? Are we well hydrated? Are we well hydrated with the right things? Are we avoid? Are we avoiding inflammatory food? Um, and those are those are the things. Those are the routines. Those are the structures that I build with all my athletes in season. Um, something that's different with baseball would be arm care. I spend a ton of time 
outfielders, infielders, and uh, pitchers on just making sure that their thoracic spine, their cervical spine's loose, they have good end range uh, mobility, um, that there's not you know any mechanical weaknesses or, or issues there, and that we're doing compensatory exercises to kind of counteract those uh, overloaded muscles. No, and Billy, to touch on everything you said, at the end of the day, in season, you got to stay healthy. And it's understanding everything you just touched on, because if you're not healthy, that means you're not going to get on the field. And if you can't get on the field, now you can't even play the game because you didn't prepare yourself in the right manner. And now you're just trying to attack the season. And if you're tight, certain muscles banged up, whatever it may be, you're putting yourself at higher risk. And that's, that's, nowadays is such a hit for athletes to see it all the time where it's like oh man he just can't get on the field it's what are you doing why take a look in the mirror and understand why well i think that that's one of the main reasons that i wanted to start this podcast yeah because you know these are these are children right we say athletes but there's people's kids right with hopes and dreams and it's no fun when mom or dad come in and they say so-and-so hurt their knee or hurt their elbow at practice and it was a fluke. And it's like, no, no. more often than not, it's not a fluke. Tearing your UCL is not a fluke, right? Like yeah. they're built and they're built through not preparing, not taking care of your body, right? Yeah. Muscle injuries, joint injuries are, are designed and they might take three, four years of work to get there. But if you're on the, r- the wrong path, the path ends you know, in that. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to touch on? on in-season hitting before we go on to the next question? I think the biggest thing from in-season hitting is just um, making sure you're getting enough reps. I think that thing is one area, especially for high school players, that is undersaw by parents because a lot of the time, especially through the last few months in high school baseball, you're inside, there's one cage, and there's 45 kids that are trying to get swings in a cage. So your son hits... Seven balls off a tee, gets one round of flips, one round of BP maybe, and that's the only swings he's getting. And then at the end of the day, tryouts come and the repetition is not there to be prepared for in season. In season's the time where you got to make sure you're getting the reps that you need to be prepared so as soon as a game comes, you're ready. So I think that's the biggest thing with in season hitting is making sure your child is getting enough reps and that's something you need to ask them. Ask them, hey, how much you get swings at practice? How much did you feel ground balls and understanding um, what they're doing every day to make sure they're getting better through the process? So, so our training, right, both from the sports performance side and the baseball side, right, both what Billy and Mick just talked about can be boiled down, I think, to just one word, and that's routine, right? What is your routine? So we're going to start first, and we're going to start at the top. Parents, we're talking to you, mom and dad, right? What is your routine? What is your routine for your kid, Billy? I, I think that's huge, Ryan. I think when you say, Mom and Dad, what's your routine? I just mean communicate, right? Like communicate with your parents. I'm um, sorry, communicate with your, with your athlete and then communicate with the coaches to see what everyone expects and what everybody wants, right? Like I, I say to my kids, uh, my athletes, that, hey, you need to work out five days a week, right? But what I mean by that is if it's in season, maybe that's four days of just body maintenance, right? And you could do it all at home. I'll write it up for you. I'll design it for you for your specific gender, specific age, specific sport. But maybe, the, you know, that's all it means, right? And, mm-hmm. and if you're a parent, is that something that you want me to communicate with you on and, and you're holding your kid accountable? Do we trust your athlete and they're holding themselves accountable? But but what's their role? And I think that that's where kids kind of get 
confused is that sometimes mom and dad are all over them. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? And sometimes they're real laid back. I think add some consistency there. And then I think the end game is for all of us to have these athletes become more accountable. So whose role is what? Like I, I was an athlete in high school and college. I knew every day my mom was making breakfast and mom or dad was making dinner. But lunch and after school before practice, I was on my own. I had to plan ahead. I had to make my own sandwich. I had to do this or that, right? They would help me, but, but I knew the meals that were covering the meals that weren't. Does your athlete know that, right? Like so often I'll have a kid that goes to school, skips breakfast, goes to school, um, eats lunch at school, doesn't eat after school, and then comes right away to the weight room. I mean, we're kind of getting the cart before the horse there. Like, yeah. you yeah. can't have a good workout if you're malnourished, you don't have enough calories. And if you do that four days a week, you're in a caloric deficit. And then now what can we accomplish? Yeah. How now, can we recover? Yeah. And and that's okay. Now, I'm a parent. I'm about ready to have five kids. Um, you know, nobody's perfect, but have a plan. Hey, hey listen. Mom and dad paid for it. You need to make sure that you made yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before you go. But but that's what I think I, I'm thinking of when Ryan says routine is who's responsible for what, yep. who's going to do what so that we know that it's covered. And to make sure it's covered, you should talk with your skills coach, your performance coach, and uh, you know your baseball or softball or whatever coach. No, and I think, Billy, what, what I was going to say there when, uh, say, an athlete comes in four days and they're not eating beforehand and they're in that position, now that routine to them is – if they do that next week, now they've done eight days in the last two weeks where they're in the gym and that's turning into their new routine. So it's for me, parents setting the example and letting the player know, put the good routine in place. So after a week, they're adapting to it. And then they understand because myself, personal experiences, as soon as I got into the weight room at the age of 17, I was, I was late to grow. I grew when I was in 10th grade, finally got to my peak height. And I said, okay, this is time to start getting stronger. I didn't put a weight down for more than a week in the off season or in season because I knew, okay, this is my routine. If I want to get better, this is what I need to do. And that put me in a position where I was following a positive routine to help me grow and put me in the best position where I could have success through baseball. Right. And just to touch off that, like I found my best routine. It was my sophomore year of college playing summer ball. Um, I was in a situation I take some summer classes and I really had to be structured. I had to be organized. And I knew every day I was getting up, I was going to the gym. The time after that was my homework, my lunch time, and then I was at the field for early BP, BP the game. And it's just you get into that habit and it becomes consistent. Yeah. The game becomes easier when you prepare properly. If the routine's not consistent, how can you trust in what you put into it? Yeah. You know, so just building those good habits at a young age is going to make it easy for them to become self-accountable in high school, in college to be ahead of the game. Now they have this knowledge and not waiting on somebody to provide it with them. So that's an excellent transition. Um, he's talking about, you know, building that routine. I want to discuss what's a good routine if you're the athlete, right? So short-term speaking, it's got to start with sleep. I don't, I don't care who you see for hitting, pitching, sports performance, whatever your sport is, it's got to start with sleep. If you're not getting eight hours of sleep, you're cheating yourself, right? And that's minimum, yeah. right? There's a lot of studies out there right now, right now saying from 11 to 14 that even, you know, like closer to 10 hours is what they need. So definitely prioritize sleep. Um, the next one is prioritize water, right? You're 70% water. You could go a month without food, but you go about two days without water and you're dead. Uh, make sure we're hydrating. Uh, I think third is going to be your nutrition. You can't skip breakfast. You can't start your day in a deficit. If you're trying to gain weight, you need breakfast. 
If you want to stay the same, you need breakfast. If you're trying to lose weight, you need breakfast. Yeah. Contrary to what you think, <laughs> the internet tells you is wrong. You need breakfast, right? Um, so those are three things that before you see or work with a coach, your athlete can control him or herself, right? On their own. On, On their, their own. own. You know what right I mean? There. And, start setting and that's what today's about is giving you tools that you already have to be the best version of yourself. Um, so those three areas is, are what I would, would start with. How, how about you, Mick? Yeah, no, I think exactly what you said, understanding if you're if – you're, son or daughter wants to play this game in high school in college figure out what those guys are doing right if the if you go and look at a division one locker room and say okay 25 out of 25 guys are following a schedule of they're in the gym x amount of days these guys that are standing out those are the ones that are following the routine that pro guys are in that are on a sleep schedule that are on a nutrition plan that are hitting the gym that are recovering that are preparing for game day and i think it's understanding that process um to be able to let your son or daughter have success and be in the position where they can grow see that that is what i hear all the time you know like you have these kids that never miss a baseball game like, well you know bryce harper this is what he does in season for workouts. This is his leg routine. My dad and I have been doing it for two weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. Like you're working out, that's awesome. That's you're researching workouts, that's great. You're working out with your dad in season, that is super cool. Mm -hmm. But guess what? You're not doing Bryce Harper's recovery yeah. or his meal plan yeah. or, or his supplements, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and that's what, you know, again, that's what I want to send home today is that you can't go to a pitching coach and expect to be good at baseball. You can't sign up at a gym and expect to get stronger. Like, have a plan so that you're not wasting money. Have a plan so that you see results. Have a plan so that you come away out of this and think it's a great experience. You know it's a great experience. Does that make sense? It does. It does. We can kind of talk about the, that's the short term, right? Now, yeah. where, where are we going to go long term? Like, what are we trying to build? We talk about building a routine. Why at such a young age? So that it's a long term effect, not just on their sports side, right? Mm -hmm. on, on, the, on their good habits in the, in the classroom, in life, right? If we build these good routines, then it's just going to better them for success. And let's talk about long term specifically in sport. Right. Yeah. What is the long term benefit of getting in this gym? We talk about a couple months before the season. Right. right? Why is it a couple months before the season? Yeah. Long, long term routine and the benefits of that would be, I think, for one, the athlete appreciates the process more. Um, right now, you know, I have a ton of great kids in the gym, but you'll have some that they'll come in. The warm up should take 10 minutes. They go through it in two. The plyometrics, they kind of do it halfway because they want to go deadlift or they want to go bench or they want to go squat. Those are the people that have been with me the least amount of time. The yeah. people that have been with me the longest amount of time, right, they, they realize, man, I feel so much better when I get my 10-minute warm-up in or however long it takes depending on the day, right? I feel better. Like I'm not doing this because Coach Billy's telling me to. I'm doing this because I saw it in the game. I feel mm -hmm. it at night. I don't wake up achy the next morning, right? Then it comes to that plyometrics phase and they're like no this is this is power i feel it if i skip when i wasn't doing plyometrics i couldn't deadlift as quickly or explosively or i didn't have as much pop off the bat right they feel it and i think that just establishing a routine it makes it consistent and almost normalized for them and once they know what they expect they'll actually feel the gains quicker right because their new normal it'll change yeah. yeah, just to butt in real quick, uh, we're stuck in such an instant gratification society, yeah. right? And our athletes are going to be accustomed to that. 
So we need to get in their head at a young age that big things, these big goals, we want to chase these dreams. These dreams take preparation, Yeah. right? If I'm not building this base and I'm not understanding how important the warm-up is, we're not going to see those results that we want as quick as we want, and that becomes discouraging, right? Yeah. So it's about understanding that philosophy from the get-go so that these long-term plans become manageable. Yeah. It's very easy to fall off if I don't understand what Coach Billy's teaching me or why this warm-up is important. How yeah. you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure. And, and for, for me, from an athlete standpoint, I think if – because it's, it's something for the long-term plan. You have to use the short-term to learn from. So in baseball, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you had a plan going into this year, if you didn't use this year to set – next off season's plan where if your son goes through a year had a great year of hitting had a great year of stealing bases but guess what he made nine nine errors at third base whenever he led his team something something negative there okay guess what this off season you know that long-term plan you want to really focus on on defense with glove work handwork getting fat whatever that may be and that's learning through your in season to prepare you and put you in place for the long-term plan because as a baseball player as it doesn't matter what sport you're in if you're not attacking at least one specific thing to get better in in the offseason you're falling behind because guess what that next year you're going to be the same exact player you were and and i'm seeing that uh embodied right now right we just had all these pbr showcases okay and unfortunately many of my athletes went to that right and i would say maybe 30 of them did exceptionally well right Mm -hmm. they did fantastic and i would say there's probably eight that wish that they did it on a different day because they didn't perform to their expectations yeah and the to unbiased perspective on that is the kids that did well have been with me for six months and the kids that didn't do well have been with me for three weeks and that's not me that's this is true of any sports performance coach so i'm not saying me but what i'm saying is that what i did was if they said that they wanted to have more velocity right off the bat or they wanted more speed in their 60 yard dash i built that over six months in layers I I established a foundation called general physical preparedness then on top of that we worked on strength and power and then on top of that we worked on you know the plyometrics explosive the speed and and peaked them Mm -hmm. for that showcase and the other kids they came in for three weeks we worked on speed but the foundation wasn't there yeah yeah. I don't have we can't build a foundation and work on speed in three weeks right and this is this is what I want parents to understand is that you can't see development this is true of pitching hitting or strength and speed you can't think of it as like you're buying it a la carte you have to build it it's like a house yeah you have to lay the foundation you have to build upon that and you can only build a frame that's as strong as your foundation if your athlete has a weak foundation sorry guys i don't care if they're 17 or 7 we got to rebuild the foundation before we can develop any further and i think that that's a good good take home and a a kind of a truth pill that some people need to swallow yeah it's the the age-old adage rome wasn't built in the day yeah, yeah you know. right. um, so we talk, we're in season, right? We're talking about routine. Um, do we want to go in a little bit what we should be doing as a pitcher or I have five days in between most times when I'm throwing if I'm a starter yeah. um, as opposed to a hitter where I got to get ready every day, yeah. right? And think about those routines. If we're not practicing a good routine as a hitter, it's going to be very hard for me to be up and activated. Is that right, Billy? Yep. Yeah, and, and I think touching back, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's understanding 
the position that you're in. What, what have you done for the last three months to prepare for this start where you have five days off? What have you done to be able to swing every day, be in a position? Because if you've been preparing for it, different story than if you haven't been. And that's where everybody, a little different on, in their own way. And that needs to be in place for that athlete specific. It's, it's, if someone's trying to give you a broad answer on this is what you need to do, they're wrong because it depends on what we're talking about, how your sleep schedule has been, how you've been recovering, the last time you've thrown, how many pitches you've thrown, anything that all adds into an equation that is only your equation to make you better and prepare you to be healthy. Yeah, my, I have, um, I'm pretty proud of the pitchers I'm working with right now locally. They're, they're some studs. And if they, they pitch you know, their normal innings um, on a Thursday, that next Friday, we're doing plyo work and we're going to go heavy. We're yeah. going to probably hex deadlift. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something yeah. of that nature. It's going to be quick. It's going to be speed. I don't believe in slow eccentrics no. at the day after pitching. I would never do that. Um, but, yeah, they're going to get right back into the fire. And, and because they need that to recover. Yeah. I mean, that is going to palpitate the lymphatic system. It's going to aid in recovery. I mean, they're going to feel better. They're going to they're gonna be more confident by doing that. Now, if you're someone who just came to me and wanted to start the end season, I'm going to have you come in the next day. But we're probably going to do more, um, you know, long, slow distance, like maybe ride the bike a little bit, roll out your hips, roll out those lats, roll out the T-spine, do some mobility work, and then do some rotational power stuff, low intensity. Um, but it's going to vary. But you got to be working. you got to yeah. be working. So that's what day one looks like. Day two from sports performance, again, is mobility. I'm big on, on hip work, I'm big on shoulder work, I'm, I'm big on um, you know the FMS, the functional movement screens, just to make sure that we're not getting bound up anywhere and that everything feels good and is, is looking good. Yep, perfect. And, and as a hitter, right, that was my biggest thing, is I, I had to try to create a routine to get myself up and active. Yeah. Um, finding that routine took a long time. What as a hitter, right, we come in, we're playing three, four games a week, right, and, and we're in to see you. Right. Our lift schedule would be more consistent, I'd imagine, right? We're not really tendering. We didn't go as heavy and hard as a pitcher, right? We're doing this every day. So let's talk about, like, if I get a hitter in here, mm -hmm. uh, what are they kind of going through for those days, game day or, you know, day before kind of situation? Yeah, well, you know, Mick crushed this answer a few minutes ago, but it, it boils down to who you are. And that's not a cop-out. But if you're my guy that is working out year-round, you're on a pretty normal workout. If it's game day, I might not crush your legs. But if I want to crush your legs and it's game day, I'll work you out after the game. Right? Mm -hmm. And I, I have done that at in the in Major League Baseball. Like, we've done that. We did that at college. We did that at high school. Um, middle school, I still believe in it. Maybe in middle school, though, it's medicine ball sprints or something to that effect. And it's not a ton of volume on those days. But it's enough to kind of grease the wheels and get you going. Um, and like you said, um, this is something that I kind of have fun joking around with i say that baseball players aren't athletes and obviously <laughs> obviously they are right but what i mean by that is man like the volume and intensity of work versus say a basketball or a football or a soccer player is much much different i don't think that baseball quote-unquote people appreciate that enough right like i don't think they appreciate that hey like if you are a freshman in high school and you're not playing on your jv team and you're not happy about that and you want to get better and it's in season you didn't get any, any reps today. You just went to your game and sat there. Why can't you work out? Even if it's at home yeah. on a body yeah. rate routine. You know, and I think that's something that 
you know, the hitters definitely lose. Because a pitcher, I get it. Your yeah. coach rides you for six innings. You might need a day mentally just to recover. I completely respect that. But if, if you're a good baseball player, not good enough to be in the starting lineup, but yeah. you're that next guy up, you're a freshman, and you went to the game, you warmed up for the game, but that was it, you're telling me you can't go squat heavy that night? or yeah. You can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then, yeah. I, then I think that you should know that your baseball season's unfortunately – coming to an end you know yeah. what i mean like that's my perspective on that yeah and 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 for me it's especially if you're one that is in the weight room previous to this season you have to stay in and stay consistent because i i i had a personal experience where i took i still was going to the weight room but tried to kind of go more lighter more maintain rather than hit where i was at and i wasn't heat eating healthy I wasn't in the right position I was in, and I started the season at 190. By the end of the year, three months later, I was 175, and balls that I was hitting that were going to the fence, going out earlier in the year were now getting caught, and it was like, man, yep, next year I cannot do that. And that's that's something that I think every athlete needs to understand is stay in and stay consistent knowing I need to get my work in and I need to get the reps I need to get to be in the best position. If If I could paint a picture for you, for in-season training, just real quickly. If if you want your son, who's 15, to become a better hitter and to become faster, and you bring him to Larkin Sports Performance and Fennel Brothers Baseball, and at Fennel Brothers Baseball, he's on our, our training membership, and he comes in and he hits three days a week, and then he works out four days a week with me, and in his workouts, he's doing sprints, and at the end of this, right before the season, you're so happy. He's crushing the ball. He's the fastest he's ever been, right? And then you take away sports performance, and then you take away hitting, and you put him into a baseball practice. Answer me this. Do you expect him to still be fast and to be hitting the ball well? And the answer is always no. Right? You drop the volume out of the back end of the model at the start of the season, and these kids suffer. And when I say kids, I'm talking eight years old to professional athletes that are 30 years old, I've seen it, is that they think that when they've done all this work, that it's gonna stay with them. It doesn't. It's like making money. You might have had a great paycheck, but bills are coming and you gotta work for the next one, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the message that high school and college coaches, especially around here, do not get. Like they'll, they'll go spend money on a great strength coach and there's a lot of good strength coaches in the area and they'll get these kids in peak performance and right when it starts to, to peak, they quit. They quit. I can't work out for two weeks. I got tryouts, so we yeah. got a game. Yeah. It's like, yeah. buddy, <laughs> like you're going to be most. two steps. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of uh, literature and research out there. They're saying a lot of like the cognitive skills are around 21 to 24 days you start to deteriorate you know, yeah. your level of execution. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's proven, right? And, that, and that's all it takes is that falls off. Off and you try yeah. to get back in and now it's well we can't start where we left off it's back to square one so then what athlete do you have you have an athlete who at the end of the year had a bad year or a year they didn't want yeah they don't think that their weight room and their hitting sessions worked Work. mm-hmm. so then they go find another place and they yeah. just go on a vicious cycle for four years and it's because people don't stop to sit down write a plan ask questions and then actually follow through on that plan yeah. for not three weeks but three six nine twelve months and understand what works because that's where understanding the process for your athlete for your child to know what works to put him in that position to have success absolutely so a couple great questions there will, will lead us into our final kind of frequently asked questions um, some things that we get asked often we want to kind of address here the first one is uh, my son or daughter hasn't been training should we wait 
until after the season start our in-season training. Uh, we touched on it a little bit, but, but why is the in-season training, even if you haven't been doing anything, so important? I think, obviously, again, I'm biased, but absolutely start today, right? I think you should start in-season training as soon as you do what we said in question one. As soon as you are aware of your daughter or yeah. son, as soon as you're aware of what you want to happen, and then as soon as you do your research, you know, who do they need to go to? Do they need to go to a strength coach, speed coach, combination? Do they need to go to a hitting coach or some kind of skill coach, right? Have your plan in place and then go and make sure you hear what you want to hear. Like for me, like I said, we're, I'm about to have my uh, fifth child, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I want to know... Are they going to get injured? I'm going to a place that offers an injury assessment. I do a free – at Larkin Sports Performance, we do a free injury assessment on anyone that walks through the door. You just have to ask. And we're look, we're, we do the functional movement screen, like the baseline test. But we're looking for places that someone who is in a particular sport is going to find, find an injury, create an injury – through pattern overloads, right? So if you come in, you can't do an overhead squat, that's where you hold a PVC pipe over your head and go into a full squat. If you can't go into full range of motion, your knees collapse, you have a ton of dysfunction in your left shoulder, you also pitch with your left shoulder, that's someone who I'm like, hey, I'm not telling you that your athlete's gonna get injured, but I'm gonna tell you that they have no hip stability um, and they have no shoulder stability and that sooner or later, this will break. Not yeah. could break, this will break. It might be in three years, it might be in three days, but there's so much dysfunction going on, they can't support the velocity that they're creating, right? And that's why I think you start in season right away. Like we uh, recently started working with a local soccer program. There's like 93 girls and they're 15 and under um, and they're fantastic kids but you would you know meniscus tears and knee injuries are huge in that age group that age demographic that gender category and then that sport right so just right away the last eight weeks we've been doing stability exercises for the joint strengthening exercises just small low impact things like that can do a great great benefit because now they're healthy they come out of the the regular season healthy they can have a strong off season but too many kids come out of the wishy-washy regular season all beat up all tired all injured and they you know become too busy to go to strength conditioning. yeah no i think for me it's why wait yeah get started why why wait till after the season you're gonna learn from your end season this is the time also where it's the most important to understand your strengths and weaknesses of your child of your athlete and whatever they're doing to be able to assess know hey what do I need to work on to maintain, to put in the best position going forward to um, have success? And that's understanding, get started as soon as you can to get educated on it. Because if you're not educated on it, then you're just kind of spinning your tires, not going anywhere. And this, this is a huge onus on the parents. Um, you know, you are the people investing your hard-earned money in this. You need to communicate. That's on you. Yeah. And what I mean is, yeah. is like, you know, I'll have people that they go to a pitching coach, um, right? And they don't tell me the days they go, and then they'll bring them to me. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with your kid. I had a plan, but you're not telling me what they're doing at practice. I don't know how many days a week they're practicing. I don't know what they're doing at pitching. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if your son or daughter went and – you know, worked on hip stuff at pitching practice and hip extension and mobility, maybe I can have a real hard workout with them today. But if they went and did 
25 pull downs and they gunned every single one, their CNS could be fried. And yeah. I, you know, maybe I should, like, I think that, that parents being involved in the mutual co- communication is huge. And it's, it's 2021, man. Like, give me that other guy's number or woman's number. I'll text them and make sure we're on the right page. Like, I have clients, I just picked up a team in New York City, right? Small Division three college up that way. And I trained the whole team through communication. Like, yeah. if we're here yeah. in the same town, we can find a way to communicate so that your son or daughter is the best version of themselves. Right. And, and the second frequently asked question we've had, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but between multiple team practices, my son or daughter has baseball or softball six days a week. Is adding in-season training too much for them? So it depends on where you go. If you go to Joe Schmo down the block and it's $75 an hour, um, yeah, I think maybe it is too much because what are they getting in that hour? You know, how much input is there? Um, I think if you come to Larkin Sports Performance, I think it's a must. Uh, I think for a couple of reasons. One, the program is 100% individualized to your kid, right? So we know if they pitch, we know if they hit, we know if they didn't play, right? We know all of that. And then number two, we don't sell one-on-one sessions. We sell memberships. So they can come in every single day of the month for the same price, right? So they can come in and recover. They can come in and they can do a plyo day. They can come and do a strength day, a speed day. That's kind of the pro athlete, the collegiate model. And that's obviously what, you know, benefits athletes the most. And that's what we're trying to to offer here. Yeah, and from the baseball side, if your son or daughter has six days a week of practices, that's 12 hours potentially they're spending out of field. So that's something you need to ask them is what are you getting done in 12 hours? Because I can promise you if you're putting 12 hours a week in individual or group work, getting in the reps in a weight room and the cage, they are going to get serious progression. If you've been rolling for two, three months and you've been in five, six times a week and your son or daughter hasn't shown progression, then yes, I think getting in season, them doing that and having the adjust, having the um, yourself being able to set your own schedule, like Billy said, it's, it doesn't have to be one-on-one. There is in-season programs where we both have unlimited sessions where you can come in and use cages for reps, have a program in place for hitting, throwing in season, and being able to put your daughter or son in a position now where they're going to a practice six days a week and they have an arm care plan and they have a full body assessment where they know, hey, this is what I need to do to stay game ready rather than just going out there and throwing the ball, fielding the ball, and not actually knowing correct mechanics through that process. So they need to be educated first before rolling six days a week of practice um, in season. Come contact Billy, come contact Mick, myself, Ryan, Ryan Fennel. Get information from your coaches. Let's get a plan together for your athletes. Baseball season is right around the corner. The summer follows. Do not wait to get a head start on the game. Thank you all for tuning in to our first official podcast. The winner of our first giveaway, which is a jug of gold standard whey protein and a Tucci Lumber wooden baseball bat, is Alex Jablonowski. Instagram handle at Alex underscore Joblinovsky. For anybody looking for more information regarding one-on-one training, in-season training, and even summer camps coming up with summer right here around the corner, feel free to reach out to us on social media or checking out our websites. Our websites are fennelbrosbaseball.com and larkinsportsperformance.com. Check out our Instagram handles with at F-E-N-N-E-L-L bros baseball and at Larkins underscore sports underscore performance. L-A-R-K-I-N-S underscore sports underscore performance. For anybody looking 
to register for the summer camps. We have a early bird special with the promo code in all capital letters, Summer Camp 2021. We'll be bouncing around the Pittsburgh area here, hitting Seneca Valley, Butler, Ingomar, BMP, and Deer Lakes. Like I said, for anybody looking for more information, feel free to check out our website. For anyone wanting to hear more podcasts and information to help their child prepare for the season ahead, feel free to tune in weekly to the podcast. Welcome back to the Out the Mud podcast presented by The Den. My name is Ryan Cox. We are here today with Billy Larkins of Larkin Sports Performance and Mick Fennell of Fennell Brothers Baseball. Last episode, we talked about the topic of success. We broke it down per age group, what we're looking for, kind of framing our own success. Today, now we're going to talk about the reverse. We're going to talk about failure. We're going to talk about our response to adversity, both from the parent's standpoint, what you can do to play a positive role in your son or daughter's experience with adversity and as a player at different age groups what are we looking for we're going to go 6 to 10 11 to 14 and then 15 to 18 is our kind of general guideline billy do you want to jump us into this 6 to 10 age group yeah i think um for 6 to 10 all sports both genders it's it's real simple there there's no such thing as failure right you're experiencing everything for the first time whether it's playing a team sport whether it's swinging a bat whether it's kicking a ball uh, whether it's getting out on the ice, it's the first time, it's new, so you want it to be fun, right? I think the the biggest failure there would be if the kid didn't have fun because that's right. where you're stoking that fire, building that passion, and, and getting them headed down the path of, of wanting to take the sport to a higher level. Yeah, and I think kind of what to touch on with failure is if there's failure in that 6 to 10 age group, it's self-inflicted. Failure happens from setting a goal that you don't reach and goals change from everybody and I think that's something that parents and players need to understand that your son or daughter in this age group especially if they're failing in your eyes that's you setting a goal for them that they're not reaching which can potentially go against Billy what you just said them having fun in that aspect yeah just to build up that we got to understand when we're falling in love with the game the best years are not going to be right now we're trying to build them for long-term success yeah so continue to stoke that enthusiasm and I think the things that we would correct as a parent is is uh, non-talent behavior are you hustling are you listening to coaches are you trying to take focus mental reps yeah absolutely and I think that um, from my angle uh, as far as sports performance I think an area where you know it could be a letdown is if the athlete isn't starting to think about you know participating in a, a structured program where they're working on footwork or speed or agility, or if they're just doing simple things like making sure they have a dynamic warm up um, prior to practice, prior to um, hitting lessons, pitching lessons, etc. I think that just having a plan is 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 important at this level, and it makes working out you know being concerned about you know their their physical nature and, and staying injury free uh, it's the, the start of the path of that yeah and for me um, I think a lot of people get failure and mistakes mixed up where when a mistake happens see it as a failure but at that age I think mistakes are the most viral part or most the biggest part of growing and and leading to the path of success because 
at that six to 10 age group, anytime you make a mistake, you're going, you need to have your son or daughter learn from it, grow from it to understand as they get older, they're in a position where they know that. So the mistake isn't happening anymore. Yeah. And think about in the cage when we get an athlete in and especially at a young age, you see them get frustrated right away. Mm -hmm. Take a sec, breathe, step out, relax. Like we're here to have fun. Right, you're in the cage to get better. There's no one else around. This isn't a game. There's no should be no pressure. Yeah. Right. Teach them those techniques so that we can control that offset anger, right? We can control it, take a deep breath, reset ourselves so the next rep isn't affected by the previous one. Start to teach them good techniques to be under control. Yeah, and I think that goes hand in hand with fun, right? You're you're taking away the anxiety out of it as much as you can. I know one thing for us, like we like to take metrics even at six, seven, eight, nine, ten um, in the weight room, but it's not maybe tallied. It's not number of push-ups or number of sit-ups, right? It's something that it's just more. How do they move on that? How do they transition directions? You know, how is their um, you know core functionality on a certain lift or movement? Yeah, and so now we'll bump up to that next age group, right? Eleven to fourteen. This is where we'll come across. Some things in middle school, we touched about it last podcast, this could be the hardest age of success, right, body-wise. Our frames could be totally different from the guy sitting next to us or what's realistic for, for ourselves. So we'll start more self-accountability. Yeah, at 11 to 14, I think you're starting to use the plan that you've made because you want to be successful and seeing start comparing month by month or every six months with where you are at on there because there's going to be times where there's a showcase of in any sport and you're not as fast as you wanted to be or you're not as strong as you wanted to be or you don't feel like you competed in the same manner um, or disposition as the other players and I think that it's important to take that that period of time that you thought was maybe a failure and compare it to how you got there right did you vary from that path did you vary from that journey that you that you created to be successful yeah and I think Ryan like you said uh, when we discuss this age demographic with success for many of those athletes this is going to be the most successful they are which means this is going to be the less they're going to fail they're not going to fail a lot and at this age, a player needs to understand those ones having great success that this game, as you get older, only gets harder, especially baseball. And that's not just baseball. Any sport you play, the older you get, the faster it gets, the bigger, the stronger the athletes are getting. And it's understanding when you fail, you need to learn from it rather than letting the failure eat you up. Because especially in baseball, if you let failure eat you up, the, the game's going to pass you up because it's, it's going to destroy you. You need to be mentally strong and be able to grow off of it rather than tear you down. Yeah, and, and I think understanding is a big word, whether in the weight room or, or in the cage. If we can understand our mistake, and that's why we have Billy as our strength coach and Mick as our hitting coach, they're telling us what went wrong and how we can fix it. So you as the player have to be aware of that. The player cannot just sit there and say, yes, 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 yes. And they're not understanding, mm-hmm. right? Talk to your athlete about it being okay to ask questions, right? If we're not understanding stuff, make that conversation open. Because most of the time it's happening on the car ride home after a workout or at the dinner table, right? Really see, test their knowledge. What did you learn from Coach Billy today? What did you learn from Coach Mick today? Right, be able to apply that to themselves. And, and if, if those answers don't make sense to the athlete or to the parent, they have to be able to communicate. You know what I mean? I think sometimes when you have... Um, a good athlete uh, fail or, or falls short of expectations, it 
comes down to a lack of communication. Maybe they thought mm-hmm. they were doing enough, or maybe they thought that this wasn't a, the right amount of sleep, or maybe they didn't know water was as was as important. You know what I mean? So it's something that you need to communicate, make sure that you're on the same page constantly. That's not once a month. That's weekly, maybe even daily, and make sure that you're getting to to where you need to get so that you're you don't fall short on game day. Right. And let's think about failure now at this age too. This could be the first time as a middle schooler we're coming across getting cut or not making a team. Whether it's a seventh grader trying out for an eighth grade team or we have to we have how many kids at Seneca Valley or any of these big local high schools yeah. across the country where, you know, there's just so many kids you hard, might not it's hard to make a team. Yeah, it's hard to, it becomes a business a little bit more. So how do we deal with that? Yeah, and I think it's it's one thing where Kind of touching on this, it's, it's important to make mistakes and fail because you're going to grow from it, you're going to learn from it. And we see many seventh graders that have to try out for ninth grade teams where they're 13 year olds that haven't grown yet that are going against these kids who are in the weight room post-puberty and we encourage them to try out. We want them to go out to put themselves out there because you're going to learn from that process if more than if you never even take a chance on that process. If you you lose the chance if you don't take the risk and you got to be able to take the risk and go out there and put yourself in a position to fail because you're going to learn from that failure. And there's three two three letter words that my dad who's been doing this for 40 years going back to our oldest brother has always said and this goes through any age group you can't play this sport baseball mad or sad and failure is going to bring out mad or sad in 99% of kids or even as the kids get older when they're teenagers sad turns to mad a lot of the time and the the parent the player needs to understand that player needs to deal with the failure in a different way because that's how they're going to grow off of it yeah you need to they create that hunger yeah. right is the is the word something that fuels you right so if we go through this process and we fail okay maybe we didn't make the ninth grade team as a seventh grader in the grand scheme of things is that the biggest thing right now? No, it's two months, right? It's two months where you can work on yourself. You can get better yourself because our goals aren't the ninth grade local team. Our goals are to start on the high school team, right? Our goals are to hopefully go play in college and to get an education. So frame that and okay, yeah, this is something I don't like, but use it as motivation to get to Billy and to stay consistent with our nutrition, to get to Mick and stay there in season, work on our swing two, three days a week. And it's, it's so hard to, to coach. You know what I mean? Because from my end, like if you're in the weight room, right, um, you know, speed. So if we all tested the 40-yard dash, the pro agility or, or the 300s, if the speed doesn't change, right, it's, it's frustrating for the kid, right? But also you could say, well, if the, if the anxiety at this age group is the testing, why don't we just not test? And unfortunately, you can't do that, like, right? You need the mm-hmm. test. And it's that delicate age where as a coach, you're explaining to the kids, like, listen, this doesn't make or break you. But if we do this two or three times, we test, we retest, we retest, and we're not seeing improvements, we got to make some changes, right? Because mm-hmm. we, we're off of the path. And I think that that makes sense to us as adults or professionals, but communicate that to a young mind isn't always the easiest. Right. Yeah. And now, now we get to high school, that 15 to 18 age group. And this is the biggest age group where we need to be realistic of our results. What is going on? When Billy asks you, are you drinking water? Are you getting eight hours of sleep? You know, are you eating before you come to the gym? Do not lie about it, right? Be honest with yourself first because it's not going to make any change to Coach Billy. He's going to keep writing your workout plan just like you were taking care of yourself. But your body's going to know. I think that at this age group, 
um, I would like all of my athletes to start to anticipate failure, right? Yeah. And that, that echoes what you just said there, Ryan. But what that means to me is that if it's a Monday morning workout and you're an athlete and you show up at 6 a.m. and you did homework until 2 a.m. and you were dehydrated the day before, you had a couple Red Bulls, um, and then you come in with no food or water in you, I want you to be honest, anticipate having a terrible lift, and be like, hey, coach, like I had to study. I came to work out anyways because I didn't want to no-show you, but it's I feel terrible. Okay, well, guess what? Like Instead of putting you through this lower body three-rep max on the squat, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take you out of that so we don't risk you getting hurt. We'll have a conversation about doing the right things even though you have a, a test, right? And then we'll get you rolling out. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. we'll turn that negative, that mistake into a positive. And I think that reinforces what we're trying to say, anticipate um, failure, right? So, again, another example would be we just got out a showcase season for um, baseball and softball and lacrosse. And we're kind of going into hockey showcase season a little bit this point in the year. Um, and I think that you should know, like, hey, like, I missed four of the seven practices, um, I'm, I'm a little heavier from quarantine than I want to be. You're probably not going to go out there and do well. So in your head, you're starting to make those changes immediately. I think that at this age group, the kids that are successful, it's not that they don't make mistakes or fail. They do all the time, but they, they fail fast. It's, it's okay. I identify the issue. I change it, move forward. Where the kids that continue to struggle, they're maybe in a little bit of denial. We're like, ah, well, I had to miss practice. Like, yeah, well, it's no. okay. It's okay that you missed, but you also don't have to play. No, and I think, I think the – I was going to touch on the same exact side in baseball, and it's, it's adjusting to failure. At this point on the baseball side, I like to say when you're getting to 15 to 18, if you're still playing the sport, any respective sport, you should be serious in the sport, which means each game, if you're a pitcher, if you're a hitter, you're going into the game with a plan. And your plan isn't always going to unfold the way that you visualize it's going to unfold. So it's about hey, this plan that I had in place is is failing a little bit right now, but how can I adjust? He's starting me away with a fastball every time when I was really hoping that I was going to sit middle in. Okay, second AB, he started every lefty off of the fastball way. My plan's now adjusting fastball way because I think I'm going to have more success with that. And I think it's at that time that a player is mature enough to understand that them failing is, isn't, that fa- that's failing throwing a punch at them and they need to be able to return two back. And it's one of those things where, like, you should be able to talk about failure mm-hmm. comfortably, right? Yeah, like, what right. you just said has happened in every sport. And, right. and, like, I have that right now. Like, I have, I don't know, 10 kids that are in a particular sport in season, and maybe three of them are jacked. I mean, they are strong kids, right, for their, for their age. And the other kids are like, oh, man, like, I feel weak. Like, so-and-so is doing this, so-and-so is doing that. And it's like, well, that person's here. You know what I mean? Like, I should be able to say that to a kid at this age, like, you're slow because you don't run fast. You know what I mean? Because you don't go to speed agility classes because you don't work on mobility. You don't do anything that it takes. I think that at this age, you can be more direct. I mean, obviously, they're children, and we're trying to foster a positive environment, so it's constructive. But I think that honesty is is really prevalent at this age group. Yeah, and that's the the biggest thing with that maturity, right? Being able to frame that, hey, I'm different than Mick. Right, I'm different than how Billy was, mm-hmm. right? And being able to understand at 15 to 18, we need to have no excuses. Be true with yourself. That yeah. honesty coming from our coaches is, is self-honesty. And that goes into kind of our self-talk. So we talked about at 11 to 14, being able to understand and learn from mistakes. At this point, we got to understand how to talk to ourselves. Because at 15 to 18, and I know the kind of player I was, I don't want a coach in my ear all the time. 
especially at the box. I have no, you can't think like that. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to step out, give myself something clear and precise to go in and execute how I want. Right? If I take that first pitch and I'm super early and I pull it foul, I should be able to step out, think, fall to the baseball or strong top hand. Something quick that I've taught myself and I'm, and I'm prepping to that. Yeah, it's, it's no different you know, for us in sports performance. Um, if it's mindset, mindset's everything. If you're going into, you know, a lift, like you just got out of school, you're driving to the weight room and you're like, oh man, coach said that we were going to do conditioning today. Like this is going to be tough. This isn't going to be enjoyable. You know, at this age group, you got to have something in your brain. That's a leadership, a leader and saying, no, like you're going to have a good workout. You're going to get something out of this. You need to condition or, you know, whatever, but it's got to have a positive connotation. It's got to have a positive spin. Um, I think that's important. Yeah, and, and on the baseball side of that, it's baseball is a sport where you have a lot of time outside of playing the sport, where when you're in the field, you're standing there. And I've, I've been in the outfield after an A-B talking to myself, trying to understand what's going right to wrong. And it, it's important to be positive in that and understand if something's going wrong, why, why something's going wrong. Being able to lock into the game, but at that same time, being able to adjust accordingly, throw it away, and grow from it, and get ready for that next A-B. Get ready to throw that next pitch. You see it all the time. Pitchers will throw, take a step off the mound, deep breath, grab some rosin, step back in, go go to attack. And that, that's important to stay in attack mode, but understanding that self-talk is going to benefit you in that process. Yeah, I can think sitting in the field and, and recapping at-bats at short. And <laughs> most of the time I'm doing that and focusing on the negative for so long, the ground ball gets hit to me and I'm not prepared and then I make an error. Yeah. And I'm just doubling down on my failure because I didn't learn from it quickly, talk to myself positively and go enjoy the game again. Right, I'm caught up in this negative thing where I'm going to have plenty more opportunities for success. Don't let the last one bog you down. Right, Learn from it. Move on. And then we get to 15 and 18. What, what's a real failure? And we kind of frame it as no college offers are not drafted. Well, this again changes for everybody, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that that's one of the saddest things I've seen in sports You know, since becoming an adult. This didn't really happen a lot when I was uh, going through it. But people live and die on, you know, did you get offered to play, you know, amateur, whether it's hockey or did you get drafted into pro ball if it's baseball? Uh, And I think that there's just too much uh, emphasis put on that. Not getting drafted, not getting a college offer. It's not a failure, right? It's just a different part of your journey. And I think that it's something that, again, you should have been able to anticipate, right? And if you can't anticipate it, you should start enacting ways to change that and gear yourself towards getting drafted or... uh, a college offer. Yeah, like that's if if you I see it as more when you get a chance to play in college, it's it's a privilege. If you get a chance to play in the professional level, it's a dream. As a as a kid, if you're you you ask young players what what's what do you want to be when you grow up? It's if they say professional baseball player, they're they're chasing a dream and you can't look at not making it to your dream as a fail it's sure you're gonna fail throughout the way but like we said it's about failure coming at you it's gonna knock you down life's gonna knock you down at times and honestly failure in sports gonna prepare you for life more than anything that you're gonna do in school more than anything you're gonna do at a lot of aspects and it's important to be able to grow from that failure and understand if you're not getting a college offer and you really want to play in college get get back on the right path and understand what you need to do to get there because you you always need to understand if you're not where you need to be and you're failing you can always grow from that failure put your head down and get to where you need to be 
And think about the college recruiting process. I remember when I went through and I was frustrated at the offers I was getting or the lack thereof. It's like a job interview. Yeah. <laughs> when you get out of college, like this is prepping you. How many companies are going to tell you no? How many colleges are going to tell you no? But you still, the next day, you pick yourself up, you go back out there, you put on your best self, and you keep trying to get better, right? You can learn from these processes so later in life it becomes more successful. Because I got out of college and I sent some, some emails out and it's, oh, you know, we've decided to go a different way. We've decided to go a different way. And it's like, okay, to the next one, to right, the yeah. next one. And I, again, that's not to, to keep going back to this, but that goes back to planning ahead, right? Like if, if you're someone that wanted to go and play collegiately in any sport, at 14, 15, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, you should be reaching out to the schools that you want to go to, right? Like you might be a six foot one basketball player and want to go to a school that doesn't have people at your position under six foot four, right? Like mm-hmm. there's that happens, yeah, you know, like yeah. it, are you are you clueless to that? And then for five years, you pursue something that that isn't there. And I think that anticipating those situations, planning ahead, getting all the details that you can is going to prevent you from failing when that comes because that's what this topic should be about. I don't want to talk about being okay with not making it collegially. I want to talk about make the adjustments so that you can, right? Because if you find out that you want to do that young enough, I really believe most people can make it. Yeah, and um, Ryan, you touched on this earlier. A lot of the time, failure you can use as hungry, motivation, you know, food to fuel the fire. And that's one thing me personally, I had school, Division two schools in the conference that I went to that didn't necessarily offer me anything. I was in their office. They said, yeah, you can be a preferred walk-on. Three different schools didn't want me. Ended up staying within the conference. And it was like, okay, for the next four years, I'm going to use this as motivation. Use you not wanting me to put in the position of on your team. Say, okay, I'm going to go against you now and use that failure, which isn't even failure. It's just them not knowing who you are, pushing that to be the best player that you can be. The, the Michael Jordan quote in the documentary, right? Yeah, yeah. And I took it personally. And I- <laughs> Something that gives you fuel to that fire, right? Something that, that gets you going. I can relate to five, six different schools in conference. Same. Yeah, <laughs> Didn't want me locally. Fine. You know, we'll have our chance. It just got me in the weight room, kept me hungry, gave yeah. me something to strive for. So as we wrap up the Out the Mud podcast... Please follow us on our social media at Larkins underscore sports underscore performance and at Fennel Bros Baseball for more information on upcoming podcasts and possible topics.